0: What does it mean to chase a dream? Does it mean to lust after fame and celebrity? Does it mean to fixate on that one distant goal, never feeling complete until it's in reach? Feeling insecure each time a new phase or a new opportunity to set more realistic goals pulls you further away from fantasy? Or does it mean knowing your strengths and where to apply them? Does it mean measuring success and impact instead of status, wealth, and possessions? These are the questions we're looking to answer this week with our guest, Andy O. You'll hear us talk about how our definitions of success have changed over time, as well as the many forms that creative interests can take while still fitting the mold of the dreams we once chased. You'll also hear some of Andy's new tracks and the scoring of this episode, so we hope you'll check out his music if you like what you hear. Enjoy the show. Matt and I have had a lot of conversations recently about how over the course of the pandemic and just during the last few years in general, we've sort of been redefining our roles within music communities and redefining the spaces we want to fill creatively. And a big part of that ongoing conversation has been as we get older, as we develop new skills and new interests, and as we uncover new things that we feel we can contribute with our creativity that doesn't only have to do with songwriting and performing, do we necessarily have to redefine success? So if at one point we were chasing a dream, has that dream changed over time? And is it a certain amount of disappointing that it didn't come true? And I feel like the question we've been trying to answer is what do we owe to our younger selves? Who had that dream versus what do we owe to our older selves who still crave the emotional fulfillment of chasing the dream but are probably more capable now of achieving it in different ways so as i've been watching you promote your most recent songs andy i notice a certain purity and a certain excitement and enthusiasm in the way that you're still chasing your dream Mm. and i was listening to you on the podcast you did with kid casper the other night I was just noticing that throughout the pandemic, you haven't lost that fire and that passion and you've kind of come back stronger. And so you haven't had to redefine what that means to you. And I'm sure you must have had those moments of despair throughout the time when you couldn't perform live and social connections are harder to maintain and everything. But I wonder what it is that has kept you chasing the dream.
1: Whew, you, you probably asked me the, the deepest question. probably right off the bat no literally out of every other question that's like the most current i will say definitely there's moments where the fire teases going out you know the wind the wind is strong i'm blessed because my whole life i've kind of had to go against the grain that's just how my life's worked out i've always feel like i've been going uphill Mm -hmm. so maintaining the fire to me is a skill I had to have just to be here you know I could go deep on I'm trying to like give like the shortest version because
0: I feel like I started off with too deep a question
1: <laughs> no it's not it's not it's not it's not it's not right. it's it's actually a perfect place okay good to answer the question directly it does it you know it's not easy like mm-hmm. I, I go through the doubts the reason why I come out Stronger is because I think I just have a I don't know where it comes from that thing in me to double down. You know, I performed for the first time a couple of weeks back at like an open mic here in Clinton, like, like we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, and seeing people's reaction, little moments like that, I'm able to hold on to it more. Like the look in people's eyes when they go, Whoa, you know, a lot of people come through here, some good, some great, some not so good, mm-hmm. right but you could feel something different happened here. And it's not contingent on if you messed up or how accurate you were with how you performed or if you did the right thing, the right time. It's just, you, there's something here, right? I, I'm able to hold on to those moments behind closed doors or even with myself when I do something and I'm like, I don't think this is average. I think there's something here that can be expanded. I'm I'm able to dig, bury those so deep inside me that, it's tough to get to it and uproot it and make me like, ah, man, what do I deserve to be here? But I've, even then, I've gone through those moments in the pandemic being someone who like started in the crux of what I do is live shows and only mainly because I didn't have the money to advertise online. I couldn't compete online with corporations in my head. So I was like, let me go where I know, I know my neighborhood. I know the underground scene here. And then the pandemic happens and you're detached from that. Yeah, the moment there's definitely those moments of looking around and going, uh-oh.
0: But you had to develop that skill yeah. early on, yeah. And that is a skill.
1: Exactly, and that skill of already like, okay, here's another uphill battle. I think that's where the, what I said earlier comes in of already having that mentality of, just because it's uphill to me doesn't mean it's it's a lost cause. Whereas right. some people, that's that's engraved in them from before any of this. And let me tell you, that's something that I watch for in music. Anyone who says they want to work in music, and I, I can tell that they don't have that natural, I'm willing to fight uphill battles. If they don't have that naturally, it's kind of scary because you go, music isn't uphill. It's like getting to the NBA, as we've heard. So many people for mm-hmm. so long compare, bro. You know, mm-hmm. It really is like that. It's like, okay, you're special, but so are a thousand other people. What makes you so, spe- so special, right? So- That's why I think you hear, I have music that doesn't sound so encouraged and something that's pretty vulnerable about my last project of the Lone Misadventure, And then the one that's coming up now is that factor is I I allowed myself to be vulnerable about more vulnerable about those other moments. The next project, especially is like, it's, it's heavy because Mm -hmm. I structure in a way where it's easy, easy to listen to. And, you know, I, I try to hit all the points, but it's one that with, when you repeat, you realize, oh man, this doesn't sound like Andy when he talks, you know, this sounds discouraged. This sounds, um, and it's because, yeah, it is, it is, it is hard, bro, but it's possible. That's always what I try to be the proof of why I stay alive and why, why I double down It's because like, I've, I'm like the social experiment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: that is what that outlet is for too. Like you, when you feel those doubts and when you feel that uncertainty, you put it into the art and you know, we've, we've had this talk before me and Matt about like how that is kind of one of the most optimistic things that you can do is to take those doubts and, and make art out of them. And then, Mm. you know, people might hear them and worry about you because it it doesn't seem like you, but also you're giving them something to hear. You're giving them a way to connect with you, despite not feeling sure that you'll have that way to connect with them in the future. Right. Right. So right. that's important.
2: Did you feel any difference like when like, coming into the pandemic, you know, your your career prior to versus during versus I guess now if you consider it post-pandemic, did you notice any changes in just how you made your, your art and like, you know, the headspace around that? To be honest,
1: no. I, me and my homie who I used to live with in Atlanta, who I worked with, we would laugh at that a lot of times because people... I kind of watched the world react to being locked inside for, yeah. and I was locked in the, I would rap for years about being locked in the ba- And People watched me change because I was locked. I used to work in my homie's basement mm. and it was like a cement box, no joke. And there was no window, like out of a storybook, you know? Yeah. And I was there every day, no exaggerate, more days than I remember, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: So I I was already dealing with the isolation and already dealing with not going out, but granted by my own accord, right? Mm. So I had to tackle all the things that I think everyone tackles during the pandemic years before yeah. I had a project called The Lone Misadventure that was literally almost completely done about that topic right when the pandemic hit and we yeah. stopped putting it out <laughs> because we were like, wait, I think everyone's starting to feel what we've been dealing with like <laughs> for years, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it was It was super ironic. I had a song called Loner all these things that were done way before. And I was trying to tell my friends, like, this is what, man, don't y'all deal with, you know, and being alone for so long, and man, not going. And they used to be like, bro, what are you yeah. talking about? You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> go outside, bro. And, and it was so funny getting the phone calls two, three years later of them saying the same shit to me and being like, go outside, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
2: That's so, funny, man. I had the exact same thought about, it hit me when people started freaking out about the toilet paper.
1: <laughs> and I started
2: realizing, like, oh, this is just tour. Like, yeah, that's all that this pandemic is. It is. It's just you're lonely. You don't know where you can shit, and uh, everyone's sad. <laughs> that's just tour. It's it was, yeah. it's, it's like in a sense
1: when I when I was in the basement. Sorry to cut you off. When I was in the basement, people used to be like, man, you know, we don't got no food for, it, you know, we don't got no money. We don't got and I'm like, well, This is childhood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. know yeah. what I mean? When people used to go out on tour, <laughs> yeah. And go through what we went through, which I'm sure if you've been on tour, you've we all share similar stories, right? Used to be some guys used to be used to it and those are the guys that I knew came from a certain thing. And then there's other guys that were just every day, oh man, it's just my back hurts, bro, man. (laughs) And you're just like, Dog, you ain't never had a childhood, you know, like what what did you do for (laughs) 15 years leading up to this, bro? So it's
2: funny though, it's like there's a certain kind of grit, like you were saying, with having that thing like the way when people talk about it like in the NBA um, or in, in music and just – there's like that little tweak you have to have, I think. It's like – I don't think it's a skill thing or an intelligence thing or whatever. It's, I mean it can be, but there's like a grit gene that you have to have or something that just kind of like – because everything hurts all the time. Like, yeah, like, especially if you're traveling <laughs> or whatever. Like, yeah, you're going to be broke. You're going to be lonely. Your back's going to kill all the time. You're going to feel sick all the time. No one's going to validate you This job sucks, bro. I, I try yeah, to tell you, but like, this job is
1: absolutely... <laughs> unless you're, like, a twisted person
2: who this means something
1: inhuman to you, this this job sucks. Go do something else, you know? Mm.
2: <laughs> yeah, but we still do it. And it's, like, it, it doesn't always feel like there's another option. It's, it's funny. Like, it's not a logical... <laughs> it's
1: completely a lot when someone when people used to be like like your parents try to have you know the very few times they had the the balls to you know andrew let's talk about the rational thing of life (laughs) i'm like do i look rational bro look what i'm doing i you i know more than you how irrational this is you know this i'm here because i'm i'm an idiot you know yeah
0: Well, I feel like this is going to be a different, a, a uh, an interesting conversation because we all have very different perspectives on like what this means, you know, like what being a a young or youngish musician. I'm old now, but uh, you know when I was younger, I was basically, I didn't really enjoy playing live too much. Like I liked it fine. Um, I grew up playing in, in coffee houses and stuff. So like, I just kind of continued to do that and hoped that people would check out my SoundCloud and my Bandcamp and whatever, whatever. But I, I always fancied myself more of a recording artist than a touring musician. I always wanted to be more of like, I want the catalog of work but playing live is a vessel to that. Playing live is just a way to get people to tune into the recordings that I want to do. And it stayed that way for a few years. And then like I got into the DIY scene and it became more about performing and less about recording.
1: Question. When you say, because yeah. I, I heard this in a previous podcast, when you say DIY scene, what, is, what does that
0: mean
1: to you? Uh, well, what does that scene to you? It's such a
0: broad scene, really. I mean, right. That's
1: why I'm like, okay, (laughs) when you're when you're referring to it, what what angle are you coming from? Uh,
0: I'm coming from like the people who you know might rent space in any given building, and they host shows that are not for profit, and that kind of are more about bringing community together than for selling tickets.
1: You're like a difl, then. You're like a you're like a do it for love. Do it for love. Yeah, I like that. I haven't Mm -hmm. heard that before.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I just made it up, so me this Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I do that. (laughs) But playing in the DIY scene like, became more and more about performing, and it became more and more about building personal connections with people rather than trying to just get more listeners, you know? And Andy, the way that we met was you had reached out to me looking for, um, because you wanted to use that space in the building that I used to manage to shoot the music video.
1: Whoa, wait, that was you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh shit hey i you know i knew i was like this man is familiar bro but you know you know we you tour you know it's harder it's harder i get to it yeah i get it
0: yeah. that's so funny
1: but that's great that's doubles down man yeah yeah oh,
0: nice to go. see you again bro nice to see you <laughs>
2: that's,
0: <it. laughs> that's too good um <laughs> but yeah so when i was managing that building i ran a diy space out of it in the space where you shot that that video and so like i would have people over there and it was a it was more of a community event than a like let's get people over to like It's not business you know it's not business Yeah, yeah yeah exactly and then other people would reach out to me too and be like can we shoot music videos here can we like use this for rehearsal space can we do like any number of music related things here and I got to help them do it and I had never really been in that position before where I was like I have the the time and the resources and like just the general ability to help someone get that done and so like over time that became more what the quote unquote dream was for me mm. was like, I I don't think that I want to rely on, you know, just going out and playing shows and trying to get people to listen to my music and deciding like, what's more important, the playing or the recording. And do I ever actually want to go on tour? Cause it sounds like kind of a nightmare to me. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm glad um,
1: I'll be honest. I commend you. To yeah. be honest with yourself, or something that simple can really mm. change your trajectory, right? Something as simple as being like, touring sounds like it sucks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> something that simple could some people put themselves through a lot. Yeah. Well, I just I mean, part of it
0: when I was younger was just like not believing in myself enough. I'm like, I'm never gonna have the money to go on tour, or like have the people interested enough in me that I can put spots to play. I could have made it happen if I wanted to, I guess. But but yeah, no, I just I found like that's kind of where I came from was, you know, going to church coffee houses and like always being in in like community events and, and helping people, you know, load their gear on and off the stage and everything. Like I was always a, a little helper when I was a kid. Mm. And when I had the space to make that possible for myself and like give that to other people, I was like, I know what to do here. You know, it was one of the few instances where I was where I could combine making art a part of my life and knowing what to do and not only kind of do it on my terms, which was nice, but like do it with the resources that I had and, and know that like I could absolutely help people and absolutely offer people the space to make the art, the art that they want to make, you know? Right. So like over time that became more what the quote unquote dream was for me.
1: Remind me a lot of my homie, uh, his name's Robert Cupertino, Roger yeah. Cupertino, excuse me. And people like you, I, I always say, are very special, you know? Well, thank you. It's a very, that's a gift. And unfortunately, the world isn't built to reward that naturally, right? Mm. Um, so it usually takes someone else alongside someone like you to force the world to reward you as you, compensate you as it should. Because people who do it for the love, what I say? DI, whatever. DIFL. <laughs> yeah. yeah. DIFLs, DILFs. No, no, this is wrong. yeah, yeah d- <laughs> di- diffles. Sorry, yeah. wrong. I'm dyslexic. <laughs> uh, the world kind of nods, salutes, but doesn't really extend the hand. So mm. usually it takes that wrecking ball to break the wall and, and allow the blessings to flow through for other yeah. people.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, so I always commend because I'm cursed with the same the same energy, the same mm. true desire of business is not really of anything, not the music business, but doing business is not really the the motivator. Seeing yourself, I, I bet I'm not gonna speak for you, but I bet that there's been artists, right, that you look at and you kind of see a bit of yourself in there. Or even if it's not personality-wise, whatever their hunger to want someone to listen to their music, so they're approaching you for a show. Mm-hmm. A guy like me wants to shoot a music video because it means something to me, as opposed to like, so you know, you you look at that and you go. I connect with that. So, let me, how, how how can I participate in that? Right. Whereas yeah. that seems that's such a familiar feeling and voice to you. But having worked forced to deal with the business part, you look in plenty of people's eyes who you can tell you, they do not have that voice in their head. You know, they mm-hmm. have a, a voice telling them something completely different and mm-hmm. forcing them to watch out for completely different things when talking to you, you know?
0: Now, but having said that, though, like I love playing. And what I miss about, like, pre-pandemic life was that I I don't think I had asked for a gig in a long time. Like, I was getting approached by more people than I was having to ask, you know, just yeah, to, like, in, invite me to play a certain room or whatever. And so, like, there was a bit of, like, notoriety that I had developed that I'm not sure that I have anymore. That sucks. But, like, I don't know. I very quickly during the pandemic was, like... I did a few live streams and I was like, I don't think this is for me. And then I was like, how much do I really miss playing? And, I, you know, it's still I'd miss playing a bit. But I think what I I found what I was missing more than playing was the community around playing. Mm -hmm. And now what I miss more is that those times when I was able to like build that community and build the space where it could happen.
1: Matt, do you were you in a band or were you hired musician? Matt, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, I did a little bit of everything. I was like, um I had a solo thing doing like folk and traveling around and, and I was a busker too. So doing that kind of world and then Oh, that's I've oh, done... man, I want
1: to interview you just off of that, man. <laughs> Probably got stories up the
2: That was a good ride. I haven't done that definitely since um I think the last time I did it was New Year's of twenty twenty. Which ended in a knife fight, so that was like kind of a fitting end to <laughs> sounds that. Sounds like a typical, That
1: sounds like a typical show to me. Uh- <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Apparently, I was playing wagon wheel, so it's like that's something I guess happened in my life. Oh, that's why people but, talk. I don't know, I don't even know what the hell you're talking
1: about. But, but. <laughs> you're lucky.
2: It's the shittiest like mock country song. I Hate it so much. Oh, okay. If anything, that was the best part of that knife fight. It was just. Putting a definitive period in that song, but yeah, I did. <laughs> that that's, the, that's
1: the quote of the year. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best part of the knife fight.
2: <laughs> oh shit! Well, I did that stuff for for a while. I did. Um, I played in some punk bands and, and different things like that over the years. I started that way. Uh, when i was a kid and then i've done like session stuff too here and there not as much as anything else but like i've done a little bit of engineering a little bit of playing on people's stuff so i've, I've kind of moved around it just depends on what phase of life we're in and stuff like that
1: gotcha
0: so matt how would you say that any of that has like any of those trajectories have changed
2: for you i mean a lot of them have it's, it's weird like i felt like coming into the pandemic i was i was in a bit of a molting phase where there just felt like there was a lot of waste like it just felt like a lot of the stuff that i was doing was kind of reflexive it wasn't necessarily because there was love there which isn't to say that there wasn't love in a Mm. lot of those places but there was a lot of stuff that i think i was just doing because that's like how i knew how to socialize or that's where the gigs were coming from or whatever like or in some cases that's where the money was. there were just different things like that, that I was like, these are starting to feel like ruts. Like these are starting to feel like just unhealthy grooves that have been carved into my life by just sheer routine. And I didn't hate any of it, but I was also starting to think about like, how can I pivot away from some of these things? And some stuff was just starting to, to bottom out. Like some stuff just wasn't, it wasn't igniting the way that it used to. And uh, so, yeah, I spent a lot of the pandemic time just reevaluating and, and trying other things. And, I think I noticed that that, that love that I thought was only for music kind of, and I've thought that for my entire life, mm-hmm. it kind of broadened, like it didn't go away and it didn't really change in a lot of ways. Cause the stuff that, that excited me when I was seven years old still turns me on just as much, like plugging a guitar into an amp and turning it way up, it never has felt uncool to me. Like it's always yeah. like, a, Oh, here we go. Kind of feeling that hasn't changed, but. I noticed that like, you know, some of the stuff that I studied in when I went back to school, that hit some of those same nerves for me or like Mm -hmm. getting back into running that hit some of those same nerves for me. So like, I don't know. There was kind of an excitement to that. Just realizing that like some of these things were pleasures that I was denying myself because I felt almost typecast by this thing that I thought was freedom. And that was a whole (laughs) rabbit hole for a while, but yeah, I would just say that it expanded everything Mm -hmm. that I thought I, was narrowly interested in, expanded considerably.
1: Hmm. So question, have you hit the stage since pandemic started?
2: Yeah, a couple of times, not too many, but I've done two shows with a band and I think one solo and a couple of virtual things.
1: I have questions about the, okay, what's the, (laughs) just quick, does virtual performing hit the spot for you or? Nah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, some, <laughs> no, I just want telling... on record. Y'all heard him, you know. <laughs> see, see, someone's got to speak their mind.
2: Uh, I was telling Joel the other day. I can't remember if this was on mic or not, but we were talking about those. And I do these virtual shows for one organization occasionally, just because I really like them and I really respect them, and like I want to support them. And so I, I don't have any problem doing virtual shows if it's like people that I like or a cause that I like, because it's like you know, it's not they're not that draining. But as far as like the excitement, there's nothing like walking onto the stage and just that—I don't know—that kind of zing that you get. Like the, yeah. you know, it's like a challenge. It's kind of almost like you're being threatened a little bit, but in a good way. And it's like, all right, like that's let's a beautiful do this. way of
1: put. That's actually that summarizes my whole performing career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically it. Yeah, especially performing around here. I'm assuming you're also in in Massachusetts. Not yeah, well. yeah. I'm just yeah. a little
2: north of Boston.
1: Yeah. So, oh. It, pfft. You know exactly what stepping out in front of a crowd out here is like. It's definitely that yeah. little bit of like, you know, it's crazy. People don't understand this about this area until yeah they, they come here.
2: Oh yeah, people will
1: buy tickets to your show and be confrontational with you as a performer.
2: Yeah, <laughs> am I lying? Yeah,
1: it's it's like a, you know what I mean. Like they'll, co- yeah, they'll yeah. pay for tickets to your show to stand there as if you're some guy at an open mic at some bar, and it's been way too long, and you're you know. The open mic's been dragging on and now your ass is up there and they'll stand at you like, come on nigga, you know, perform, like hurry up. And you're over there like, damn, like I thought we were so, because I remember going to Atlanta and I did one open mic there and it changed my view. I was like, what? I felt like I was at my, you know what I mean? I felt like I was at my show. These people never heard of me. They're like, talk that shit. Talk, they're like, this, he's amazing. I'm like, what? I'll go to my, my own homies would come to my show and be like, yeah, I mean, he's all right. (laughs) I'll be like, what, bro? You were at rehearsal with me, dog.
2: No, dude, I had the same thing. I think I was in like Portland or something one time and I just, it kind of clicked like, oh, Boston's, insane like this is not how everywhere <laughs> there's a reason is. people don't really come here you know what i mean yeah. uh, it's good yeah. for us though i think as performers because if this is all that you know and you just think that this is what you have to do to be an artist my god you can do it anywhere a
1: hundred percent this is, is not york what city. people
2: should have to do oh yeah actually i'll be i'm be honest i think new york city at
1: least for me has been a little easier than than boston because new york really? city new york city is like they want to be impressed yeah yeah Boston is like they don't even want they don't want to have a good time. Does that make yeah, sense? they don't want
2: you to be making. I don't want to shit on <laughs> my city.
1: I just don't. They have that like deep down thing of like I'm not satisfied with life. <laughs> I'm about to shit on. They have that deep like I don't want to be happy vibe. You know anyone yeah. who's from Massachusetts knows exactly what I'm talking about. I know you what just, you're talking about. Yeah. They don't want to have a good time, and they're mm-hmm. almost upset when you they have a good time at your show, which they paid for. Yeah.
2: And people don't get that, you know? That's funny. I I never really considered that, but like, you're totally right that like New York specifically, it's like they at least acknowledge that there's going to be art. Like they kind of like, (laughs) they know that like, all right, there are people that perform. There are people that like paint, like it may or may not be good. You ignore it or you engage with it, whatever. But in Boston, it's almost like they're skeptical of that starting line. (laughs) So they're like, you have to convince them to even sit still. And just yeah, not be giving you shit. And then if you can get it above that bar, like, my god, you're gonna make it. Because like, New
1: York is like is just oversaturated, right? So it's they have yeah. that general indifference of like, we've seen a thousand of you today, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Boston is like, I don't give a fuck about you, bro. I don't I don't <laughs> care if you're good, bad. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't even know why I'm living.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I love it though. Like, as much as It is like a very easy city to shit on in that way, but my God, it sometimes. I love it. It just feels like home. Yeah, like especially as a performer, I, I miss it so much. If I'm on the road and like like I haven't gotten that kind of crowd in a couple of weeks. I just, I start to genuinely long for it. Bro, and that's
1: why I suggest therapy, bro, because that shit is not supposed to happen, bro. (laughs) That's why why I'm in therapy now, too. So, yeah,
0: yeah. Just one time a guy shouted from the back of the room, are you just going to play the same song over and over again? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I didn't plan my set list that well, Mm. but I didn't need to hear about it. Like yes. not until after the set, you know what I mean? And <laughs> so like right. it happens so <laughs> but much. But
1: this crowd, I'm not going to lie, part of my obsessive preparation,
0: yeah. my,
1: my obsession with, oh man, I got I to gotta leave no stone unturned. I have to see everything through to the end is because I know that crowds like that expose you. If you don't prepare your set, maybe that guy was having <laughs> a bad day or maybe the set really needed to be different, right? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't there. I'm just saying, right, That's that's kind of the mentality, right? Mm-hmm. And my my thing was always, all right. If if someone's gonna hate, I want it to be you just hate, or I'm genuinely not good at my job because I want I'm not leaving it up to chance. I'm not. Th- this place is unforgiving, you right? Know? Especially me. I'm 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 Michael Jackson. Did you know what I mean? I got super light skin now to the point I'm just a white man now. But <laughs> I was always like brown skin. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm mixed, and being here, y'all know damn well what it you know what it is here. So.
0: Mm. You
1: have everything against you, you know what I mean? Everyone just wants you to, there's like that extra expectation. You're playing in front of a white college crowd from Boston and they don't know you. You're opening for some other guy that they're paying and they don't even really want to see, right? It's that Boston (laughs) culture. You you know, like I got to come in here and, and I have to leave it. No doubt that I'm amazing because that's the only way I can, there's no like halfway passing. In Atlanta, you can be okay. Right, not saying anything wrong with them. I'm saying the crowd is more, oh, you know, he wasn't all that, but he'll get better. You know, they just have a different culture here. It's like mm. you can be incredible, but if you're not one of a kind superstar, you're not gonna wow anybody. And even then, look at our, our sports, there's a reason why athletes want to leave here it's because people just go, You do, you're Tom Brady, right? And you're just <laughs> good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell me not. <laughs> so that's, I, I, people that's another thing on top of already being very detailed yeah. oriented and just caring about this. When you love it, you don't yeah. want it to suck, you know?
0: No. And you make a good point about like people calling you out and being receptive to what the criticism might be from the crowd. Cause like, what would you rather do? You want to believe that you can get better? That was, that's what 100%. I would rather do. If, if I, I mean, I think that was a dick thing to say from the crowd, but <laughs> also I'm going to be like, okay, maybe I should structure the set a little bit differently next time. And, <laughs> Not and if you
1: develop thick skin to that, yeah, what can really tear you down? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. only, the only, Boston has made me tolerant of damn near everything.
0: Yeah,
1: the only stuff that to this day, it's never, it's just not cool. So it's never gonna be cool. It's like I, I've had plenty of comments on videos that someone just be like, "You suck, quit at rapping, kill yourself." Mm-hmm. Right? That stuff yeah. to me is like, that's the line, right? But the internet became more serious to me during the pandemic, for example, once I have less contact with the immediate response where I can fix it right now and it becomes like, all right, I'm going to post once every X amount of days or weeks. And if the comments on that are, kill yourself, you suck, stop rapping, you're a Walmart Drake. You're the Walmart Drake. You know, yeah. Uh, I just got That's that cold. again the other day. <laughs> it's cold, right? But those started hitting more once I stopped being at live shows and- But overall, I just have that thing where I'm obsessed with getting better. I'm obsessed with, and I take, I've always had the problem of taking feedback that I shouldn't, you know, like some feedback isn't Mm -hmm. valid after a certain point. I take everything very literally. I take I'm that guy. You know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm. So. Well, it's also specific to the kind of experiences that I'm trying to create when I play, because I play, you know, acoustic music. It's mostly soft music and, um, you know, for the most part, Matt has done the same thing um or goes for like a similar vibe. So if somebody... So I like when people are like, it's an intimate listening room kind of environment. Right. So someone like that, who's kind of heckling me or whatever, my first thought is get the fuck out of the way so that people can listen. Mm. You know? Yeah. And it's not like... I, I don't play well off it's specific to genre, you know? Like I don't play well off of a rowdy crowd because it's not the kind of music that I play. I can't just that like up sense. my energy and be like, yeah. So I can't play off the crowd in the, in quite the same way. So if I'm if I'm heckled in that way and certain rooms, you know, you just avoid because of that, or certain rooms you you learn how to book like primarily the rooms that you know you'll do well in or that like you know that you can win a crowd over in a little bit more easily whereas i'm not going to go to certain bars in boston and play in front of a bunch of drunk people if i'm you know singing really softly and (laughs) just like finger picking i wish i had
1: thought of this i was just in clinton playing as some irish pub yeah you know i wish i had (laughs) thought of this but you killed it yeah i i hope so but it's I guess it comes from my genre too. I never thought of that. How different it must be, mm-hmm. just doing something as simple as doing a different genre. I just yeah. come from such a competitive. It's straightforward. It's head-on collision all the time. You just mm-hmm. and I come from that even before music. Just my background. So it's like, yeah, man, I should probably do some some folk or something. I need a <laughs> <laughs> this other Change shit's too pace, stressful. Man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Matt, you tell me because you said you did punk too, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Explain to me. Obviously, I don't, I don't assume you weren't the front man, right? Because you say you were playing with the punk group. That's how you phrase it, right?
2: I might be true. Yeah, most recently, yeah, I was I was playing bass in one of them, guitar in one of them. I was in kind of a pop punkish band where I was the front man. Like first, I did that for like seven or so years when I was just starting out. But
1: okay, so you tell me then, how is it more of like my genre or is it more the other experience? Or some other experience? Do you have that same confrontational energy with a punk crowd, or is it more like, "Hey guys, y'all enjoy the show"?
2: Um, it it Does that depended make sense? on, yeah, it it depended on the crowd. And I mean, one of the more recent bands, it was kind of like a glam punk thing. Um, <clears> that was the one I was playing bass in, and then the one I it spun into the one I was playing guitar in. Um, those two, we kind of brought the confrontational energy. <laughs> So sometimes the crowd would have it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like sometimes the crowd would have it and give it back or like start with it and we'd be like, "Okay, here we go." And then other times it would be like, "Oh, they're not listening." But they're gonna cuz we always kind of believed in the like we hated the whole like, "Hey, everybody come take three steps forward" or like, "Why aren't there people in? We've kind of figured it's our responsibility to get people into this room. If Same, they're not in bro. this room, mm. we haven't done our fucking jobs."
1: Bro, yeah. And we don't
2: deserve their attention. So we used to do Everything in our power to get their attention and keep them there, and then it was like a fight. Like that, we did this one show where we decided to do like kind of a social experiment to see, you know, how bands are always trying to get the crowd to come forward. Yeah, we thought like, what if we keep moving forward? Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to keep moving back? And how far back can we push them? So every time we finished a song, we'd move our mic stands like three or four feet closer, and we had them like halfway across the room. So but they push pushing do back? Shit. Yeah, but they kind of stayed the same distance. It's just like we all kept, kept moving. And so we used to just do shit like that or just kind of bring a little bit of that confrontation. But it was always with that end goal of like, we're all going to have a good experience here together. Mm. Like you just don't know it yet. and. <laughs> I think some of that came from just all of our various backgrounds. Some of it came from the fact that that was when I was busking the most, so I had that kind of attitude yeah, of, like, that, that the that folk really singer, is. like, mm. sensitivity combined with the, like, fucking scare me, try, you know? cause yeah, yeah. I've yeah. seen everything now.
1: You've seen it all, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. that. I think it was really good for us as performers because it was, like, the right balance of, like, we're here to do our job we're going to be the best goddamn people in this room at it, but also, like... You know it, it wasn't over the top as much as it probably <laughs> it mm, sounds like it be. could go there like yeah, it never yeah, yeah. really got there so but it, the crowd definitely could vary because we were not famous by any means so it was like sometimes you roll into a dive bar and it's like you got six or seven townies who just kind of want to watch the Bruins and didn't realize there was gonna be a band <laughs> yeah. and then yeah, other yeah, times yeah. you've got like a crowd and they're ready to especially go, a so. band
1: where it's that loud in-your-face setup to begin, like, that's just mm. the nature of rock music, right? You're hitting higher yeah. frequencies. It's it's just in your face.
0: In your interview with Kid Casper the other night, you said something interesting and kind of talking about, like, how you were defining... Success, at least like in this phase of, of your career, in this phase of your life, that you would rather show yourself in the basement than project yourself at the top. Right. And I found that really interesting because like talk about the DIY scene and talk about like the underground shows and the Boston shows and like you're not sure how things are going to land. Like showing yourself in those beginner stages or not even beginner stages necessarily, but like showing yourself
1: early stages you know
0: early stages or like in the more unofficial spaces or like in the more underground DIY spaces Um, at least like for me that's how I would define a a DIY spaces you know the underground the not-for-profit spaces whatever
1: unofficial is a great way to put it yeah
0: but I like that because that's so in line with how how I've like redefined my own success like I'm not shooting for stardom anymore I'm not trying as much as it would be great to be famous but I'm not. And if I ever get famous, I'm not sure that music is how it's going to happen. But I Mm. know that I love music communities. I know that I love like being in, I know that I love participating in community through the medium of music and through the medium of helping other people make it. And it's kind of like the number one way that I know how to be involved in other people's artistic processes. And you just find that more and more, in the basements, in the underground places, in, the, D, in mm-hmm. the DIY spaces. What is it for you that makes you want to show yourself in that space rather than projecting yourself at the top, like you were saying? like What is it about one that that feels better to you than the other?
1: One, I haven't been to the top, so I think I would well, do yeah. a terrible job of <laughs> portraying it, right?
0: Right, yeah, <laughs> Accuracy
1: is important to me in my music. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of a lot of fans don't really care about that, so I, that could easily be bypassed, right? Sure. Talk about having some money, some bitches. You know, I'm mm-hmm. in mean rap, so it's it's good. But for me, the reason why I put music out is because I think about the person like me out there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm not sure if they say, I said this in with with Casper. but That's my whole reason I'm here. Is I'm here for impact. I'm not here just cause. I'm not here just to make some money. I'm here for that too to be frank, or else I would just stay in my room or I would just keep doing the community service I always done or et cetera, et cetera. I'm here because I, impact matters to me. So Mm. I don't see how, there's a way it can. People like Meek Mill have proved this. People like Hove uh, have have proved this, where reaching massive success actually can be very inspirational. I don't see how faking success can be.
0: Mm. Because
1: what happens when I meet you and I'm broke and that kid who was Maybe I managed to inspire him by that, but when he sees me, I'm not that. Mm -hmm. That would be more crushing to me than if I had never portrayed that at all. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm all about, I always, every line I write, I think about if someone sits down with me and talks to me about this, you know, even if it's whimsical, funny, right? I fuck 50 bitches, I don't really write shit like that, but even if I were, (laughs) it's okay, right? Because we laugh about it, we move on.
0: But if
1: I really make a claim about having something or doing something, it doesn't sit right with me, I don't know. Some people are weirdos and, and they can be in a room full of people during the recording session and cap, I can't, I just, it's not who I am. And there's a line that I wrote when I was young that was, they say, fake it till you make it. I can't validate that truth. There's no way that I can make it if I'm claiming to be you. Mm-hmm. Because I am never the one that makes it. You're the one who makes it. My portrayal of you makes it, right? I never did, I'm still stuck in the basement. And. Huh. That's kind of in my mentality is like, if I make it, I want you to see me make it. I don't want you to see a caricature. I don't want you to see, as long as this thing takes, as long as I'm in the basement, you're going to hear about the basement because yeah. that's the reality. Now I'm going to be creative. Find. I'm going to keep this entertaining. I, that's my job, but I'm not going to stray. For, I'm not going to lie. I'm just not going to because... I've always started from the ground, you know? Mm-hmm. I always was like, this is where I come from. This is where I'm investing first. I could never look at myself in the mirror and go there and spread some bullshit or spread something like, right. you know, when I, we were living with a bunch of people living in one room, I can't go into that room, press play, like, hey guys, listen to this. And it's just a bunch of bullshit. I just, I would hold that against myself. Even if they, a lot of times, the people from where I'm from were in the similar situations, they be wanting me to, talk higher than them because it feels good to them to hear, I mean, we know you're lying but, you know, we're tired of it, you know this is exhausting being broke, we wanna hear something better than this, and I get that and that's where I try to sprinkle hope and I try to, I find clever ways of doing that, but I'm just not gonna sell you a false dream because this shit is hard, This I pay for this in, in sweat and tears. you know, I really I paid with my life, with with time the most valuable thing, and I'm not gonna act like it's something it's not. Because I've, I think I told the story on the last one where I, I, the type of brand I have, it's meant to impact, like I said. Hmm. And the type of impact I've had from the beginning has always been an 11 year old kid will come up like, yo, I've been writing raps every day and I've been trying to do this. Or a kid would be like, man, I'm, I want to go to college. My whole family doesn't believe in me. You know, we're broke, we're this, but I've been working extra and I play your songs in the background all the time and it reminds me that I can do something. And here's the line. And it's always the beast. It's always the records that don't make sense. Mm. It's always sounds like Loner, that the BPM, the, everything is so counter to the time. But people go, yeah, but that sounds like picking up garbage at the movie theater, which I did. That yeah. sounds like McDonald's sweeping up after you had to stay an extra couple hours. That sounds like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And
1: I've always tried to be like, even if I make it, I want to sound like the guy who came from McDonald's and made it. So when I start talking about something different when I get there, the new things I'm experiencing, it opens your mind in a different way. It's like I'm curious because he's just like me. So what the hell? Let me do some homework as to what the hell he just discovered that I don't know about, as opposed to, oh, he's just he I'm not I guess I'm not like him. Like he's just over there, I'm over here. I guess, you know, I don't know if I just made the same point three times. If I never got (laughs) to the point, I just
0: No, I think your point was that, like, no matter what level of success you have, you still want to be for the people.
1: Yeah, because, bro, I have the balls to kind of go against everybody and and to do, we could go through my story, right? I have have that thing, that crazy twist, you know, get in front of a crowd and like, fuck it, we're coming out of this, (laughs) Uh the best performer of the night, one way or another, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or I'm going to, you know, I did a remix to Dead Presidents when I was younger and I went to New York City that night and just walked into bars and started rapping. And I had to get the approval of New York City mm. to drop Dead Presidents because it's just, that's how I am. And I'm going to keep rewriting this shit until I they give a fuck. And then I'm getting standing ovations in New York City and I'm like, fuck it, now we drop it. You know what I mean? And mm. I have that twisted thing but there's people just at, way more capable than me to make a difference, who can solve problems in this world, who might not have that twisted thing, or who are like me, and I had maybe this one person who said this one thing to me, or this one rapper specifically, who said this one thing on a song, which is the reason I'm here today. The next kid, I might be the guy that makes it to his ears. That mm-hmm. might be just how to circle the world spinning, and I might just be the one that, that's the song that makes it to him. And I feel like if I don't, me not saying something that fucking matters, sometimes it's bullshit, right? I needed the turn up songs too. I needed some change chains in my life, right? It's mm-hmm. good, it's healthy, but mm-hmm. if I didn't say what I knew I needed to say, what if that one kid could've, it's the next Joel, you know what I mean? And he opens the next, and he sh- opens the doors for another kid to shoot a music video, and that mm-hmm. kid goes on to be something important, mm-hmm. something that fucking matters. That's, that's the type of thing that keeps me up at night and keeps me like, that's what drives my business. Decisions. That's what drives my brand decisions. That's it's always impact.
2: Some of it strikes me as the difference between like sympathy and empathy, too. You know, like that impact is coming empathically as opposed to sympathetically, where like, it's not like some we are the world bullshit, you know, where yeah, it's a bunch yeah, of it's like not multimillionaire like you to feel saying bad about for famine. Like yeah, 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 like, yeah, it's like, it's like, no, 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 I no. Got. I want you
1: to feel what someone like there feels like. Sorry to cut you off, right? Yeah, no, no, yeah. you're
2: right. I mean, 100. that's powerful. I mean, cause that is like, that shit will stop you in your tracks. And like, as a listener, if you hear somebody saying the thing that you just have never felt seen for in your life and all of a sudden it just stops you cold and it's like, oh my God, well, they're there and they have this then that means I can kind of get there and I have the, it just it strikes to the core so yeah I think that's that's the best kind of impact to have to me
1: a song that I would recommend people check out of older me that would I have songs like lie to me which is a song I wrote about addiction but I flip it and I go hey I'm sitting all these things as I'm sitting here in the basement writing this rap and recording it but I'm here every day and I can't stop and or every time I don't, I'm shaking it. Wait, maybe I'm addicted. Something mm. as simple as opening someone's mind to like, I'm the guy behind the ear, I should be all proud of what I'm doing in this, but yo, there's an unhealthy way to do what I do. I've, I'm have i willing to be dumb and go all the way and figure out what the, I'm, that's my person, I guess that's my my gift or curse of, I take it all the way and then you know, I'm, I'm that guy yeah. who I break the wall. <laughs> I don't know if I, <laughs> Set the trail or, you know what I mean, pave the road, but God damn it, I, hey, man, there's some thorns over here, bro. You guys don't want to walk over here. You know, that's me. Um, mm. But that's important to me because yeah, since I can do that, since I can take it, or I, I'm delusional enough to think I can take it, <laughs> I, I want to do that. I want to, or, you know, I have, I re-listened to a song of mine from back in the day called Stay. Because I've been working like a slave. Thinking like a king. Wake up every morning like I'm living in the dream. Split the hand I was dealt. Sacrifice the wealth. So much is on my mind could explode. Feel the heat refuse to melt. Keep it stealth. Mom, worry. Concerned about my health. Fuck, I don't remember the rest of it. But just painting (laughs) that picture, right? And that was like at the tail end of a mixtape. Right. It was like, I could have done so many things. But to me, that was like, yo, 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 yo. Don't let the fact that I'm better than you at rap. Don't let the fact that I have a great live show. Don't think the... I'm human, bro. And that's what this is all about. We're yeah. all human. I'm getting as good as I am at rap to show you that you can get as good as w- at what you want. You, know? mm-hmm. uh, you can get great at what you think. It doesn't have to be rap. <coughs> I'm going to take rap all the way so you see this is what loving something looks like mm-hmm. and, and being willing to put in your all. This is what that looks like. Now you have an example of putting in your all. You can be an engineer, bro. You can be an architect. It's okay. Mm. And if you do it, you can get good. I know nowadays the era of mid, I, I saw like a headline saying that. Nowadays, everyone just does everything mediocre oh,
2: across okay. the board,
1: right? Yeah. So for me, it's like, no, 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 no. Granted, I came out a little bit before this era, but still, it was the same message of like, no, bro, you can be... Not only is it possible for you to do something, but it's okay to push it further. It's okay to make a little bit unhealthy decision. That's like I said, maybe I'm addicted to this shit, but yeah. it's about bringing it back. It's, it's just like, you, you can do it, bro. Uh, I mm. saw this quote by Joe Rogan that he was quoting someone else, but it's a quote that I'll never forget, which was, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than to be a gardener caught in a war. That's and that (laughs) kind of sums up. That's I heard that recently, but that I think entails what I've kind of tried to do my whole. Like I just had that thing of like, no, 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 bro. I came up around people who came from nothing, bro, and that was predetermined for us.
2: Mm.
1: It's like mediocre. If you just live and then die past twenty one, you did it. That you did enough. Mm. I was a victim of that. I couldn't see past eighteen, nonetheless twenty one. But I had that thing of like, while I was here. Man, but you, not you, bro. You could go further than me, you know? Or like you can, when I did Dear God, which is the video I shot. Yeah. song like that, going that vulnerable of exploring like at the time, man, do I believe, what do I believe? I'm just But just being vulnerable enough to do it on a track, the whole point is someone listens to it and goes, maybe I can ask those questions in my personal life. Andy O doesn't have all the answers, right? And I don't have, I don't end, I don't put a period on that sentence for you. I just like, I'm crazy enough to be the wrecking ball. Like, you know, I'll, I'll be the guy to say it so that hopefully you can go home and maybe your parents are mad religious, but you have your own questions. You at least feel that confidence now of I, someone else on planet earth, ask the questions. Maybe I can ask the questions too.
0: This all makes me think, too, of um, a TEDx video that I was watching a couple weeks back. And it was about, like, how do we choose the careers that we want, right? And I've been watching a lot of these kinds of videos because I'm in the middle of changing jobs and I don't know what I want to do with my life. So one of these videos is really interesting because it said, you know, there have, there are studies that have been done that say if you do what you're passionate about. If you want your career to be what you're passionate about rather than just making your passion, your hobby or something like that, there's like a 4% success rate of somebody saying like, I love playing guitar, so I'm going to be a guitarist and make my living entirely off of that. Now, there are people who do that and you like supplement your performance income with teaching income and stuff like that. And like you can be a full-time musician because there are so many ways to be a musician. Okay. That's one thing. Right. And then there's, you know, people who do, I think they only did this study with like people who went into sales or something, but it was like people who are really persuasive, right? They're good at persuading people. So they go and work at sales. And for some reason they die younger than everybody else. And it doesn't really, (laughs) it's just what the study said. It wasn't conclusive. But the whole point was you might not get work if you want to do what you're passionate about. But that doesn't prevent you from doing what you're passionate about. It just makes it a hobby, and that's fine. You might not have a very happy life if you do what you're good at, like what you're best at, you know, because for some reason you hang a lot of your reputation on that or, like, all of your self-worth and validation comes from, like, well, I'm really good at this. That means I must make a lot of money doing it, right? And so maybe if that's not true, it puts a lot of stress on you or something. So the guy in this video, he said... But the one thing that people never regret doing for a living is something altruistic. Like, whatever it does, if it's philanthropic or altruistic, or you're helping people in some way, it doesn't feel like you should, you deserve like way more money than this, or it doesn't feel like you could have picked a different career path. It doesn't feel like you abandoned all your dreams to do this one thing. It's you're helping people. You get that reward in real time. You get the knowledge of knowing that you are putting yourself in a philanthropic position and you want to make others feel cared for.
2: Yeah. And so, like, you're talking
0: about two of these things, maybe three of these things, like all three in one, you know? It's like you're Mm -hmm. passionate about the music, you're good at the music. And if you can make it an altruistic thing, then it kind of remedies the problems with the first two
1: or right. the potential the, the, problems that you might run up but against. But the unique thing about the entertainment business in any capacity, especially music, is it's a cold, cold-hearted game. Yeah. Where they don't give a fuck what you're here for. Mm-hmm. They don't give a fuck who you are. They don't They don't give a fuck if you die. I don't know many other ind- any other industry, to be fair, that is like that, where you'll die and the record label will drop. Their first thought is, how many more albums can we get out of him? How much did he record before he died? Yeah. I don't know any other business, you know, that's really milking it like that. You know, people have brought to my attention now. Once again, I'm I'm always so deep in for what I want, like why I'm here that I ignore so many things, bad business, people taking event cuz I'm just like, yeah, but did yeah. the, the kid was he was he okay, you know? Yeah. Looking back, that's that's kind of like altered the trajectory of my career. That's really why I'm still in basement level Mm -hmm. in terms of career because they i was taken advantage of when it came to just business Mm -hmm. and i refused to give to do good business but bad impact and that was the most because and because i come from a place like boston i'm not from atlanta new york city la right where you fuck up once you're bound to run into somebody who is an engineer or Uh, manager or you know you're just gonna run in it's just the mecca right you're gonna Mm -hmm. run into somebody you're gonna get another shot I didn't come from that so every hour I had to go out of state and I would turn down the things that would have been good for me business-wise and would have made Andy O grow significantly and I had earned looking back according to others I had earned but it didn't have that same impact at heart so I just couldn't I couldn't do it bro and sometimes now I think back about it and I I don't think I would have done anything different. Fuck those people. You know <laughs> fuck fuck that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm you're not going to change me, but I think about how I could have, you know, Cole says something that impacted me young, which was you got to play the game to change the game. Mm. And I think about now what I could have done differently and now those are the adjustments I'm making and mm. trying to combine. But yeah, I have that weird thing where I am I'm really good at this. I love it. And, and never gets old for me. People wonder, why do you keep going? Like, bro, chill. And I'm like, no, because if you love something this much, if you love Doritos and I keep feeding you some fucking Doritos, you're going to keep eating the Doritos, bro. I'm just <laughs> eating my Doritos. I just keep doing it because I love it, bro. You know, people say, man, why are you in the basement 14, 18 hours? Because I love it like we were saying at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You think I don't fucking love? You think I would put myself, are you stupid? Yeah, <laughs> I have No food, no money, disrespected all the time. Yeah. Put myself in danger. Just being a fucking dumbass for nothing? Nah, no, it's because I really love it. And that look in that kid's eyes when she or he tells me, yo, this mess X is priceless. It, there's nothing you could give me that's worth more than that. Now, cut me the check. I need millions of dollars and I need them now. <laughs> but that's strong, that's, that thing has always been much stronger than me than the other two. You know, but I definitely am a competitor. I like, I want to be number one. I've just done a bad job managing because the altruistic side, the, uh, the part that wants to seek empathy for all these people. Like, I feel like I'm a voice for some people, not all, I'm not, I don't have that complex where I'm the center of the universe, but I feel like I can be a voice for some people that has just been way more important to me Mm -hmm. the entire time. And it's like, all right, I got a entertainment business. We'll take advantage of you, bro. I've done shows. I never got paid a dime. I have a line on a song that the first line was "I got thirty dollars for a show, split that between four. I've been living in a hole, like I'm trying to make it home, which was literal. I didn't have my car was breaking down. Sleeping in the <laughs> yeah. car. This ain't once or twice. This is when we're lucky. I always wonder why they didn't love me. And it's on like this really happy beat, which was on purpose, just to make people. Yeah, it's some really depressing shit. That's what music be feeling like a lot of times. You know, that <laughs> yeah. you're just really, you're going through it, and it's. But yeah. Music, the entertainment business will keep you at the bottom, and they will kill you. Literally, how many rappers have been dying the last two, three years? It's insane, bro. It's like it's becoming a dangerous job now to be a rap artist. Literally, you could expect to be hurt just because you make like music. Back to with the, the rap 90s. counter. It's literally that again, bro. Probably <laughs> yeah. worse now because now you have the internet. So people want to kill you because they want to post that they killed you. Oh you know? yeah. So there's that whole like attention seeking side of hurting you. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah what you're saying is true I have that's why I'm so into it I'm so deep and I push it so far is because I have all three of of those things Mm -hmm. so it's hard to detach me from it I really don't think I I really could because as miserable as this is it doesn't make me miserable most of the time because of what it means to me Mm -hmm. now like I said I need millions of dollars you know I feel like (laughs) I'm the best you know I I'm trying to make that undeniable. Yeah. But I've also realized I can't help people. This is, I guess, so basic, but it took me so long to truly wrap my head around it. You can't help people with $30, splitting that between four or five. I, you know, I commend those guys. Who, they're real people who really paid the price to be out here with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But looking in their eyes and knowing, man, we're about, we're about to share a slice of pizza between four people. Again, we all about to sleep on this floor together. It's not just me. It makes you like, man. I need millions of dollars, and I need it now, so I can put this in action. I can get this guy going. I can get this thing. You know, it's hard to take care of families like I used to try to do with nothing. Yeah. Long train of thought. Y'all are champions for just.
0: Neither of us are big interrupters. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you might. I'm one of y'all. Need to step up to the plate today. (laughs) You gotta be like that heckler. (laughs) Hey man, shut the fuck up.
0: And that's our show. As always, Black Market Therapy is a Dead and Mellow production, and to stay in touch with us, you can follow Black Market Therapy and Dead and Mellow Records on social media. You can also send any questions or comments to Podcast at gmail.com. This episode was scored using samples from some of Andy O's new releases. He's dropped seven singles this year alone, and he has a project called Too Far From Tomorrow coming out this August. So if you like what you hear, please show him some support and check out his music. And we'll be back in two weeks with musician, woodworker, and YouTuber David Paciuto to talk about DIY ethics. Until then.